so we're going to read together from the Bible. If you've got a Bible, uh, one of our church Bibles, we're going to turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. It's on page 1153 of the church Bibles. Page 1153, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 13. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body but made alive in the spirit. In that state, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when Noah waited patiently in the days, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because those who have suffered in their bodies have finished with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead. So that they may be judged according to human standards in regard to the body. But live according to God in regard to the spirit. Uh, uh, There's a lot in that passage. Um, we won't get to all of it today, but we'll look at one or two things about, about, about that. One of the, the, one of the recurrent themes in the book of 1 Peter is the idea that people experience suffering. That seems to be part of the background of the book. It's a theme that Peter comes back to almost in every chapter, trying to work out how we understand the fact that people suffer and that Christians still suffer in the world. Could you pick the next slide, Daniel? Um, one of the things that um, 
we do when we read the Bible is we want to connect the Bible back to our life, don't we? That's the reason we read the Bible. We don't read the Bible just to learn information. We read the Bible because we want to connect it to our lives and we want to apply it to our lives. But we might also find that, that life, our, our lives and all our experiences raise questions for us uh, that we want to actually then bring back to the Bible because we want to say, well, how do I make sense of different things? So you've got this constant dialogue between what we read in the Bible and all our experiences. And we want the Bible to speak to our lives and our experiences, but often our experiences raise questions for us. Next one, Daniel, please. So this is a question I want to think about today. Have our experiences of suffering caused us to ask questions? If so, what questions? Now, it may be that they haven't. It may be that we think, well, I've not really had much experience of suffering. But I wonder, maybe I want to get you to talk to those around you just for a few minutes if you're happy. Uh, have your experiences of suffering, or maybe the suffering even of other people, caused you to ask questions? And if so, what were those questions? And we'll try and uh, gather those in a few minutes' time. So if you're willing to, just have a little chat to those around you, just for a minute or two. What kind of questions does that raise? Okay, anyone got any thoughts? What kind of questions might it raise, or has it raised for you? Anyone got any? Okay, just let's, uh, Ty's got the mic. Go on, Sue. Just why do these things happen? Okay, why, why do they happen? Okay. Yep, go on, Lisa. Have I done something wrong to cause it? Okay, have I done something wrong to cause it? Is it my fault? Okay, yeah, good question. Go on, Ty, Amanda's there. Could you have stopped it, and if you could, why didn't you? Uh, as in to God? Okay, saying to God, could, could God have stopped it? And if so, why didn't God stop it? Okay, good. Okay, can you get out of the suffering? Okay. Anyone else? I was just thinking, why does God, you know, stop suffering for some but not others? Or intervene? So it raises maybe that question, but is it fair here? Okay. And, and there's absolutely nothing wrong in asking questions. So it's, it's not a bad thing to be thinking, I need to be, these things make me ask questions about life and faith and God. Next slide. So if you want to read 1 Peter, these are some of the places in 1 Peter that he talks about suffering. So, you know, he talks about the fact that they suffer trials and testing, that they are falsely accused. Uh, that some, particularly those who are slaves, are treated harshly and unjustly. They're experiencing evil or abuse. Uh, they share in Christ's sufferings. They suffer for being Christians. They share in the suffering of other people around the world. You see, as you go through the whole book, there's this underlying theme that actually they're having to cope with a certain amount of suffering. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, uh, 
we've touched on some, and I wonder whether these are other questions that might be, uh, that they might be asking, which is one of the reasons why Peter's writing the letter. That the Christians he's talking to are asking these kind of questions. You know, why are we suffering for our faith? Does our suffering have any point? This is the kind of why question, isn't it? When will our suffering end? If Jesus is raised from the dead as Lord of all, why are we suffering at all? If this is what we believe about God and what God has done. So, uh, 1 Peter here, and particularly the verses that we've looked at, begin to try and address the question of suffering and people's experience of it and some of those questions. I'm going to get you to do one more piece of work this morning, which is to just to have a look back at what we've read. So this is in 1 Peter 3, in the beginning of 1 Peter 4, and to ask, well, what might be here that might help us to think about an answer to some of these questions and the kind of questions that we've raised here? So again, have a little look back at 1 Peter chapter 3 and 4. What are the kind of things here that you think might help us? Have a chat together and then we'll, we'll gather some thoughts. Okay, anybody got any thoughts? What have, you, what have you seen there that you think might help us think about that? I think there's an idea that even though suffering can be painful, um, either in body or you know, in mind or spirit, that um, it can be um, a positive thing in that it can bring blessing to us and blessing to others as well. Okay, so, so there's bits there in 1 Peter we'll come back to that want to suggest that it, we might need to think about the way we address and respond to suffering because of that. Okay, yeah, that's helpful. Somebody else had a hand, hand up? No? Anyone else? Go on, Pam. Ivy was asking why, because either yesterday or the day before, her nephew died. And she can't understand why it happened. No. And, and that's right. And that's part of, part of the questions we wanted to ask is, well, how do our experiences raise questions? And clearly one of the questions it raises is, why, why does it happen? Yeah. And we'll try, I'll try and talk about them in just a minute. Anyone else? What, what other things you've read in 1 Peter that you think might just help us a bit? Zach. I think there's a sense of it says in like verse 14 how even though we might suffer we're still blessed yeah. in that same way as it says but even if you should suffer for it is right you are blessed Yes. and I think and later in 17 it says um, for it's better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good in that sense like yeah. there's a sense of still like while we go through tough times and suffering actually still we're looked upon yeah. uh, by God and that actually we're still Blessed. Okay. Yeah, that's helpful. And we need to think a little bit about, and we'll do about what what does that blessing look like? Go on, Steve. Uh, something interesting in the beginning of chapter four that talks about suffering in, in the body and a suggestion that um, if you're feeling good and on top of the yeah. world, our natural instinct might be to give in to worldly things, right? So I'm feeling good, I can mm-hmm. go out there and, you know, mm-hmm. drink and be merry or whatever it be, but with my physical health yeah. is no longer there. What am I left with while actually focusing on other things such as God and spirituality yeah. and everything else? Yeah. There's sort of a hint of that in there, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's helpful. 
Thank you, Ty. I want to try and pick up from those things that we've said and one or two other things in 1 Peter, two things. Uh, the question of how do we understand suffering and the question of how we respond to suffering. Uh, Zach's pointed us to uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 17. It says, It is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Uh, That sounds quite challenging, doesn't it? Does God want us to suffer? Uh, And there's a phrase that you get through the whole of 1 Peter about the will of God. It, It comes four or five times, this idea of the will of God. Is it really that God wills people to suffer? No. I agree with you, Ivy. We need to think a little bit more carefully, don't we, I think, about how we can understand what God wants for us and for our lives. Uh, And one of the ways that um, Peter does it here is to go back to the example and life of Jesus. Uh, he's doing that all the time through the letter. Go back to actually Jesus. Uh, and so Peter says, here is someone we see in Jesus, someone who suffered the righteous for the unrighteous. And we need to both take comfort and hope in this. Uh, what I find, uh, the way I find, I found it helpful to think about it is this. If we start with uh, the life of Jesus... It was God's will for him to come. It was God's will for Jesus to come and share our lives and to love us without limit and without end. But God sent his son knowing that to love a broken and sinful world without limit and without end would in some people produce a negative reaction. So while Jesus loved those who were outcast and lose on the margins and that were welcomed in, some of those who felt that they were put out by this reacted negatively and therefore wanted to do away with Jesus. So as I look at the story of Jesus, I don't see God's will that somehow he wanted his son to suffer. But I see a God who sent his son to love the world knowing what the cost of that love would be. Do you see the difference? Uh, For me, I find that a helpful way of thinking about it. It's not that God wanted his son to suffer, as if somehow suffering was a good thing, but God wanted his son to love, and to love a broken, messed up world, knowing that the consequences of loving a broken, messed up world would be the violent reaction of some people. And if that's how we understand what God was doing in Jesus, Peter wants to say that's how we can understand something about our lives. Is suffering a good thing? Generally, no. Is suffering something that God wants us to happen? No. Is suffering something that happens in a broken, messed up world? Yes. Now we can say that, of course, we might go back to another question, which is why did God make the world in this way in the first place so that the world could become broken and messed up? And we can talk in those terms about if God didn't do it in that way, then there wouldn't be the freedom that we have to make our choices to live our lives 
even to be free to worship God. But Peter wants to come back again and again to this story of Jesus and how we live out the story of Jesus. So Peter will say, and he'll talk about God's will, but I think his meaning here is God's will for Jesus to come and to love rather than it's God's will that somehow suffering is a good thing. That's how I would understand suffering. It's part of living in a messed up, broken world. But then the second question is, how do we respond to that? Um, Peter encourages the church to respond, I think, in two ways. He wants them to respond with faithfulness. In other words, in the midst of the trials, still to keep on following Jesus, even when there is a cost to that. So let me take you back, if you've got a Bible, just to a little bit before we were reading. uh, In chapter 3, verse 8. He says, finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. We see that, don't we, echoes of Jesus again. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. He's calling the people to remain faithful to God in the midst of difficulties and trials and sufferings. And not to say, well, actually, people have hurt me, I'm going to go and hurt them back. But to repay evil with goodness. Why? Because this is the way that Jesus did it. He comes back again and again to the life of Jesus, the example of Jesus, and how we carry on working in that kind of way. Which brings us back to a little bit about Lent. This idea that Lent is a time when we're trying to live out the story of Jesus. Not just hear it or think about it, but somehow to live it out. Because, of course, that's what we're fundamentally called to do as Christians, is to live out that story for ourselves. Be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. We might ask ourselves the question, well, for the next 40 days, what does that look like for me to take that on a bit more? To be like-minded, to be sympathetic. To love one another, be compassionate and humble. Not repaying evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Beginning of chapter 4, Peter says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. This is the point he's making again and again. How do we live in the life of suffering Well, the first calling is to try and be faithful. Even when we've got those fundamental questions about why is this happening? Is it fair? Can you go back a couple of, two or three sides to to my one with the uh, arrow on, Daniel? Brilliant. Uh, There are times, quite rightly, that things that happen in our lives make us deeply question what we read in the Bible. And we shouldn't think that's a wrong thing to do, to actually question it. 
One of the fundamental things that we would say is part of the story of the Bible is God's faithfulness to his people. This is the story. Yet sometimes experiences in life say to us, is God really being faithful, given all that is happening? And we shouldn't gloss over those questions. Those sometimes are times we have to sit and wrestle and think. Because our experiences question. We believe in the faithfulness of God, but what I have here and now means I'm wondering whether this is true. That's not a lack of faith. That's wrestling with the reality of life in the light of what we believe God to be like. And the response that Peter calls for people is to keep being faithful. Keep trying to live the life of Jesus in the midst of the suffering and the difficulties and the pain. And the second thing uh, that Peter talks about is how we might then do that with a sense of hope. We might notice the end of 1 Peter 3, 22. It says, it saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven, is at the right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. A hope that whatever is happening now, there is a sense in which God will put all things right. This is the God who has raised Jesus to life again. And he's sitting at the right hand of God. If you want to turn over, uh, at least in, in, uh, in my Bible, into later on to chapter 4, I'm in verse uh, 13. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you were insulted because of the name of Christ, you were blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Uh, why do we rejoice in sufferings? Well, only in as much as we are participating in the life of Jesus. Both in his sufferings and then in his resurrection and his glory. Peter wants to say that suffering will have an end. And at the end of the time, will not be entirely pointless because it will be transformed in God's glorious resurrection. So he calls, it seems to me, for these two things. How can we be faithful in the midst of what happens to us? And how can we live with hope in the light of a future that Peter talks about here? A future of resurrection when God comes and puts all things right. That may be something, of course, that we think about in our own lives, but it's also something we have to think about for the world, isn't it? We recognize that for many of us, compared to people around the world, and we've got some glimpse of that in the Christian Aid video, actually, we don't know what suffering is. We don't know what suffering it is to be a Christian because in some parts of the world, actually, you can't worship like this. And we don't know what suffering is when people have got nowhere to live and they've got nothing to eat. And that's part of life. And we have to think about that. What does that mean? 
what does faithfulness and hope mean for us in our world when we're living a world that we're facing those realities? We're going to sing a song in just a minute. Uh, And after that, we're going to come and pray together. Uh, We're going to have a chance to pray for our world and to pray that for those who are suffering today, they may know something of the grace of God as we want to pray that for ourselves too.